Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Undivided, which is brought to you by Audible.com. That's Audible.com, the world's leader in spoken audio, audiobooks, online periodicals and speeches for all things spoken audio. That's Audible.com. Head on over to Audible.com after our show this evening and enter Life Coach Radio Network into the drop-down box to get information about a free trial of Audible.com. That's Audible.com, the sponsor of our program, Undivided, here on the Life Coach Radio Network. And again, welcome into Undivided, episode number 39, Being an American Muslim. Special guest this evening is Cordelia Gafar. Cordelia Gafar, excuse me, 7 p.m. on the East. We are live here on February the 6th, the year 2019. And welcome into Undivided, everyone. Uh, the disclaimer for tonight's program, as we get going, because we are going to have, it's a very uh, charged topic, and I'm very blessed to have Cordelia with us this evening. The disclaimer, as we always do here on our program, episode, undivided episode 39, being an American Muslim with Cordelia Gafar may not necessarily be the views or reflect the views of myself as host, Frank Chimiduri, my guest this evening, Cordelia Gafar or may not necessarily be the views of the Life Coach Radio Network. So we're coming off a three-week break, and I thank you all for being with us this evening. And at the points in the calendar where I've had three weeks off, I've said in the past, you know, sometimes it's gone by in a blink of an eye, and sometimes it seems very long. And it seems this time around to be such a long time since I've been back with the audience, since I was with the audience with Art Maloney, in our last episode, episode 38, about the Veterans of the Workforce episode, and I thank you all for listening and for your kind feedback on that episode. And I hope that you all have been well during that three-week period of time. We went through some you know, very cold weather, and we've seen some changes in our world. And those changes speak to some of the stereotypes that exist, unfortunately, still in our country. I'm going to warn the audience tonight about some of the terms we're going to use. You know, some of those terms are things that speak to those stereotypes, stereotypes about a religion or what people identify with or connotate a religion with. America has always been about freedom of religion. And that is part of the tenets that this country was founded upon. Our founding fathers made sure that part of our freedoms was the freedom to express religion. So many people came to this country because of religious persecution in Europe and Africa and other parts of Asia and the world. Freedom of speech and freedom of expression is also a rite of passage, a, a, a right in America that we're going to talk about tonight, the balance of both. You know, hate speech is obviously something that's not allowed. There are safeguards around that. However, there are people that don't understand what's different, different, th- different from them. So we're going to discuss those things this evening when we discuss being an American Muslim with my guest, Cordelia Gafar. There are 1.8 billion followers who identify as, being, as following Islam or being Muslim. Muslim means submitter for one who surrenders. We've talked about the concept of surrender on this program before in the context of Roman Catholicism. So there's a common thread there. 24% of the world's population 
identifies as Muslim. Islam teaches that God is merciful, all-powerful, and unique. He's guided humans through prophets, revealed scriptures, and signs. Sounds familiar, right? The prophets, some of the prophets in Islam, Adam, Abraham, Moses, and Jesus, those names should sound familiar to my Christian and my Jewish listeners. Islam also believes in a final judgment in heaven and hell. And as we approach about a month from now, the period of Lent in Roman Catholicism, you also have to think about the fasting aspect of Lent, the fasting aspect of Ramadan. So there's a lot of common threads. Pope Francis was just in the United Arab Emirates. So we're going to talk about that tonight, how he left and thanked his Muslim hosts and talked about the fellowship and common bonds of religion. We'll touch upon the five pillars of Islam, faith, charity, prayer, fasting, pilgrimage. And I touched upon some of that in the Christmas show in 2017. So not this past Christmas, the year before. So that might be worth taking a listen to as well. Cordelia is going to be my guest this evening. She's a transformational coach, excuse me, helping women to have a body-soul shift, connecting their body's experience into their present emotion. Uh, Cordelia is also an author, a speaker. She is certified in sports nutrition, and she's the hostess of the Replenish Me show here on the Life Coach Radio Network and the founder of Workout Around My Day and a mother of six. Cordelia Gaffar, welcome to Undivided. Thank you, Frank. That was that was How are beautiful. you tonight? I'm doing well. Oh, thank you. Awesome. That's great to hear. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you well. Can you hear me well? Yes. Always good to get that out of the way before we get started, as I've said before. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for being uh, along with us this evening, and I, I really hope that it gives my listeners uh, some line of sight and some insight about this very important topic. The divide segment this evening is going to start with a very general question for you. The overall general view regarding being a Muslim in America is one of great complexity. The stereotypes are rampant, as I touched upon, regarding how the religion and the people who believe in it are perceived. What is the most effective way to counteract those stereotypes? You know, I I think this is a really great question and a, a, a great way to start off the show. Human beings are just human beings. So the most effective way to counteract those stereotypes is to um, greet people the way you'd like to be greeted, right? And um, one of the main things, one of the tenets that you mentioned of faith is charity. So as Muslims, um, our Prophet Muhammad, we say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, which also means may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he actually encouraged us to smile because that is the simplest form of charity. So you'll notice that I always smile. And that's the most effective way to counteract um, even people with the most miserable of dispositions. 
That's a great starting point. Something as simple, I've talked about that in this show in the past too with different topics. Something as simple as a smile can go such a long way. That small action could mean the difference in somebody's day. There is a lot of division in America, as I touched upon before. Excuse me. There's a lot of division in America and American society regarding religion. It's a topic I've touched upon at other points. It's an aspect that's been covered in prior episodes of this series. How is being an American Muslim different than the challenges that other religions face in our culture? I would say mostly because there's a misunderstanding um, about what we believe and um, why we dress differently. And, um, you know, there a lot of people think one of two things regarding the dress, you know, we need to come into the 21st century is one misconception, <laughs> misunderstanding. And another one is uh, why are women forced to cover up? So like in the Quran, it actually encourages modest dress for men and women. And um, men, you know, tend to be less, I guess, more um, mainstream in their dress um, than women simply because, you know, let's face it, the, um, you know, the the fashion that is available, although it's changing quite a bit for women, is, is uh, the opposite of modest in most cases. So it does make women stick out and it does make people wonder. But my viewpoint, and you may have seen my post, for um, World Hijab Day, which was on February 1st. And it, it's about self-expression, which is an extremely American concept, right? We're all about individuality and self-expression. And, and um, I, I love to wear hijab, and I think it's quite fashionable, and it's quite easy. So I did see your post. I, I was not familiar with that, that that was uh, the day that it was celebrated, um, throughout the world, uh, I did uh, actually see your post on that. And, and I thought it was, it, it brings about uh, some interesting pathways that we'll take later on in the show uh, regarding the dress. Uh, Cause that's one fundamental element. I'm sure that there's a bit of a disconnect. You know, I remember when I was a young boy walking down the streets of, of Philadelphia and seeing Hasidic Jews for the first time, and I was so thrown off by their dress and their appearance. And I remember, you know, asking my mother who was with me at the time, you know, why they did that. And she explained to me, you know, it was part of their religious beliefs. It was part of uh, their the expectation of their dress code. And I thought it was, it was kind of neat that they were that dedicated, you know, they had that mm-hmm. much discipline uh, to do so. What is the most common mis? conception regarding Islam within the American perspective on religion, generally speaking, and your faith specifically? Um, I think one thing, one question I get a lot is, well, you know, well, we, I believe in God, you know, people, Christians sometimes will say to me, I believe in God. I know you believe in Allah, right? Um, 
and mm-hmm. they'll say, I, be- I believe that, you know, Jesus is my Savior, and I know that you don't know who Jesus is. And so I say, well, actually, Allah is just Arabic for God, and Jesus is, is the second most celebrated prophet in Islam, actually. And, um, you know, one of the greatest things that drew me to Islam was the fact that I found out the rest of the story about Jesus in the Quran. There's, I mean, he's covered a lot. And, and another thing that, you know, um, people don't understand is that there's like a whole chapter named after his mother. <laughs> so, um, mm-hmm. you know, to say that Muslims don't believe in Jesus or, you know, you know, or even revere the Virgin Mary is like complete misunderstanding, you know? It is, it is. I've shared with, with you, Cordelia, offline, and, and I've mentioned it maybe once or twice on this show in the past, um, and especially during the shows that I've done on Different Culture and on the Christmas show in 2017, where I talked about all the major world religions. Uh, I have uh, Muslim friends, and one in particular mm-hmm. is a co-worker and friend of mine, and we're quite close, and we talk about that a lot, our common uh, love for the Virgin Mother and uh, our common love for Mary. And he'll say to people, you know, realize that, you know, you know Mary's in the Quran too, to like to other people that don't really know. And, mm-hmm. and how, you know, Jesus is revered within the faith. And the angel Gabriel is the one that appears to Muhammad, the prophet. And I'm, I know the angel mm-hmm. Gabriel and the angel Michael are archangels that are familiar to Christians and Catholics alike. So there's there's so many common themes when you look at that and and the messaging of uh, looking out for those who are needy, looking out for those who are less fortunate than you, uh, having the faith that God loves you and will take care of you despite anything else. That's those are huge precepts that are common within both. And there's so many people that feel, oh, you know, they don't really believe they mean, meaning those who, mm-hmm. who are Muslim don't, don't believe in God. And, and I counter that by saying that you know, educate yourself first before you make those kind of statements. Uh, a lot of that is, is narrow minded thinking. And we have to focus uh, again, what this show is all about on what we have that's alike versus uh, our differences And with that, we're right at 7.15, and it's time for our 15-minute breaks. We're going to pause for just a moment. Undivided episode 39, Being an American Muslim, is just getting started, and we'll be back in a moment. First, some upcoming show promotions for you on the networks of Life Coach Radio. Free the Hamster. Free the Hamster, Harry Pritchett's new program, Thursday, February the 7th. That's tomorrow. 7 p.m. Eastern Time Live on the Life Coach Radio Network. That's Harry Pritchett, Free the Hamster. And as I explained, I believe in last, uh, the last episode, someone had asked me about that. It's uh, like being a hamster on a wheel, being trapped in a job or toxic work environment. Uh, Harry is going through the four stages of career reinvention. So part two of that, the part one was his last episode two weeks ago. If you want to take a listen to that prior to tomorrow night's show, it's the four stages of career reinvention, part due, as he calls it. Free the Hamster, Harry Pritchett, dynamic show, tomorrow night live, 7 p.m. on Life Coach Radio Network. 
Audible.com is our sponsor. Let's raise some money tonight. Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338, as we're talking about the common threads in religion. Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338, www.salvationarmy.org. That's www.salvationarmy.org. Enter your zip code to donate in your local community or enter the poorest zip code. Google your poorest zip code in your state and donate to those in desperate need. And we're back here on Undivided, episode number 39, Being an American Muslim with Cordelia Kafar, 716, live here on the East Coast. I'm New Jersey. Thank you all for being with us this evening. And before we went to the uh, short break there, Cordelia, uh, we were talking about those common threads. What can you share from your experience regarding the American stereotype around Islam being a violent religion? Well, you know, as you said, I'm a mother of six, and I, I'm going to share something that you probably wouldn't expect, but, you know, we talked about this offline. You know, kids will be kids, right? So <laughs> I sometimes, you know, um, I guess it was, it more so happened um, when my oldest three were younger because that was closer to, you know, when we were still fighting, um, we were defending, quote unquote, ourselves from the people who attacked, you know, the United States. Right. And so um, mm-hmm. my, my, you know, my son, you know, was, he's a boy and I think he was about, five or six and he like was knocking about in the store and just, you know, like destroyed a display. And, um, and I didn't think anything of it. And I was like, sweetheart, you need to be careful. When I turned around and actually I was wondering why he was like not responding to me and had this look of horror on his face. And I was just like, I don't think I'm being, you know, mean to him or anything. I'm just trying to get him like off the floor and, you know, work with him to try and get everything back in order. And I felt like people watching and I had turned around and there was like maybe up to five adults standing like as if he had committed the biggest crime. You understand? It's a little boy. And, and I thought to myself, you know, and, and it, and it wouldn't have even, like occurred to me that it was because we're Muslim, except for the fact that not even the week before I had been in the same grocery store and there was a, you know, a white woman with her, it wasn't a, it wasn't a boy. It was a girl. I don't know if it was gender made a difference, but it just was striking to me. And she did the same thing. And they were just like, Oh, you know, kids are so silly. Let me help you with that. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like there were people that came through and they helped her with her child. And in my case, I was a spectacle, you know? And it's almost as if I felt in that moment that um, the message was, you people are violent. You know what I mean? And um, mm-hmm. so that that is, um, and, that, and that, and to, to the, to this day, that stuck with my son, you know, and um, it's unfortunate that we can't even see children as children, 
what they, you know, the way that they were blessed, you know, and in, in, in terms of their color of skin and their mother wearing hijab or whatever. Thank you for sharing that with the audience. And it's an unfortunate reality, as I mentioned, the stereotyping before. And I've seen it, like I said, I have uh, Muslim friends um, and I've seen it with them and I have witnessed it being with them. And it's happened in situations that I've been in. And I've had to have conversations with other people that, you know, in the situations that uh, I particularly were in specifically, it was uh, other white people that I had to talk to about because they you know, called my friend a terrorist and they mm-hmm. accused them of, you know, what are you going to go like set a bomb or something like that? And I'm one of those people that believes in diffusing situations with words, not letting, you know, somebody get to me and, and have me leave my own peace that I have from, from God. So I would just talk to them, you know, very directly in those situations and say, you know, that's really very unkind of you and that I feel sad for them that they had that kind of animosity or that kind of uh, viewpoint of another person that way and saying, this person is my friend and you have no idea like who this person is. So that he would give you the shirt off his back if, if that meant and whatever he'd give you, whatever he had and he would do anything for me. And, you know, that's what's so sad about the situation is that, you know, the the stereotypes limit and tunnel vision people. And it's just very sad. I'm sorry that 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 happened, especially to your son. I mean, he's a young boy. That's that's terrible. Um, Most people, you know, myself included, didn't realize that there exists within the Islamic community many different divides you know, there's the African divide, you know, as you had mentioned in the article that you wrote, which I want you to also put out there for the audience, uh, Bengali, Pakistani, Arab, Indo, Pakistani, and others such as hijab versus non-hijab. So this is where we're going with the, with the dress code. So it's a two-part question. What is non-ethnocentric Islam? And where did these divisions begin? Yeah, so non-ethnocentric Islam is just straight Islam, right? Because, um, you know, like I said at the beginning, we're all humans. And, um, you know, Allah revealed the uh, Quran and Islam to the Prophet Muhammad, um, peace be upon him, because this was supposed to be the final revelation to bring together all of humanity, right? So before this, you know, the previous book, the Torah and the Injil, the Bible and the Torah were given to different, and we also believe, you know, to other smaller um, groups that may have not been captured, right? They've, all these different groups have, through the ages have gotten holy books. And it was just for those people and those areas. But this one, was for all of humanity. So there isn't supposed to be a racial divide in Islam. You understand? So it's mm-hmm. supposed to be for all humans. <laughs> um, oh, boy. That's the first part. 
Um, the <laughs> second part is, right, it's just like, and, and uh, in the Quran, there's even like, um, there's a chapter called um, Arum for Romans. And in there, there's an, a verse that says that um, he created all humans different so that we can marvel at the wonder of his creation, right? The, 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 mm-hmm. All the, the way, the nuances of humanity is just showing how great he is as God. So the divisions, you know, come from my personal opinion, from the ugliness in people's heart, you know, and they like to project. But actually it comes from, I would say it's a, it's a runoff from colonialism, right? So there is history yeah. with, with the, you know, when the British pulled out of India and divided it into East Pakistan, West Pakistan, which became East Pakistan became Bangladesh. And there was like all this bloodshed. Actually, this month is uh, like the 40th year commemoration of that. So there's that, you know, and then there's the Arab Indo-Pak thing. And that is more of a linguistic thing, right? Um, As far as Africans versus Indo-Pakts or Arabs, now, you know, you know, in the Indian culture, they have the different uh, caste according to skin color. But I really think that, again, this is part of colonialism because it, and you'll see this even in Africa, that the, you know, and even actually not even just in Africa, but in the South and the United States, if you're light, you're right. If you're brown, stick around. If you're black, stay back. So it's the same thing in the Muslim community. But for African-American Muslims who convert to Islam, you know, there's a lot of um, assumptions because of the recent slave history. So there's that other layering. And that's within, um, that's within the Muslim community. The article that I wrote about, I was talking about that particular intersection of, you know, if you're a woman, right, um, there are cultural, these are all cultural things. That's an issue. If, um, and then if, like I said, you're a convert to Islam, someone who chose to become Muslim, you know, you have the layers of you didn't, you weren't, you didn't grow up learning Quran, so you have to learn Arabic, you have to learn how to be a Muslim, you know, and um, there's a lot of assumptions. However, at the same time, um, there is a reverence for people who chose to become Muslim because usually that means that involved a lot of research. And um, some of the Muslim scholars like Hamza Yusuf, he chose to be, uh, become Muslim when he was, I guess, about 17 years old. And he's like, he knows in the ancient text a lot better than people who were born Muslim. So there is you know, there is, uh, it's not all negative, let's just say. It's a wonderful insight for our audience and something that, you know, I should probably mention too is I'm very, I'm familiar with the uh, section that you referenced because I actually read the Quran. Uh, and I was very fascinated by it. Um, I read it a number of years ago. Um, I'm familiar with with a lot of it from 
from that. And I've read a lot of different books on different world religions to just uh, have that insight and have that enlightenment for myself. Um, in addition to, you know, reading the Holy Bible, uh, my own faith, you know, uh, numerous times. Uh, and it's, uh, it's very insightful to understand and there are other books too, and I don't want to mispronounce their names, but I'm familiar with some of the books that you referenced. There were other holy books that uh, in Islam, they believe that, you know, Moses received uh, a book and, and Abraham and uh, Jesus, there's a holy book, um, you know, given to, to him um, as well. And the whole section on uh, Miriam, Mary, and that mm-hmm. section that, you know, that we've talked about before, you know, uh, and that you posted that one day uh, around Christmas time, you know, you're familiar with that too. You know, how can this be? Well, God says it is, and it is essentially. And, and I remember that passage, you know, I remember, you know, they come to, to see the baby Jesus, which is uh, revered as a virgin birth in both of our religions. And how can this be? They say, you know, God says it is, and whatever God wills it, it is. And that was so profound to me. That was so profound, you know, in, in my own experience of reading the text that I'm like, wow, how can we be so divided? And then I realized that, you know, there's divides in, in Islam, and I'm thinking, that shouldn't be. So like you said, it's mm-hmm. it comes back to, you know, inner sin, which is the source of all of our problems, is, you know, in the human condition. And it comes back to, you know, views on race that have been ingrained over a long period of time. And that's a, a good place to segue into the second half of our show. We're at 730 already on the East Coast. It is time for our 30-minute midpoint of the show break, Undivided, episode 39. Being an American Muslim, we'll be back with Cordelia Kafar in a second. And a nice segue to Cordelia's show, Replenish Me. Replenish Me with Cordelia Gaffar Wednesday, February 13th is her next new episode. I'm sure she'll tell you about that later on in the show. She must really like me a lot. She's doing back-to-backs here. Replenish Me next Wednesday, February the 13th, 7 p.m. Eastern Live on the Life Coach Radio Network. Erica Wiederlight. Erica Wiederlight show Mondays twice a month, live at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time on the Life Coach chat channel. That's Erica Wiederlight. Most of you will remember she had a long-running show on the network, took a hiatus, and has been back for a couple of months. Our 2019 schedule, production schedule is up. On the site, it's Mondays twice a month live at 11.30 a.m. on the Life Coach chat channel. That's Erica Wiederlight. And you can go to her website, which I always think is so cool. It's wedelight.com. I'm playing her last name. And speaking of being light to those in the darkness, if you or someone that you know or love has been struggling with something in their life that has been really hampering them from progressing. If you or someone that you know or love is struggling with their own identity, whether it's a religious identity or a cultural identity, or has been the victim of some kind of uh, hate speech or hate crime, maybe has had struggles and trials in their life, 
and are thinking of harming themselves. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. You matter. Every life is special. Every life is created by God. God loves us all. Please, it's not worth it. Call the number and get help. 800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Food for the Poor, 800-427-9104. That's Food for the Poor, 800-427-9104. Or www.foodforthepoor.org to donate to that wonderful charity that works throughout the world, helping people of all types to get the aid and the assistance they need. We're back here on Undivided, episode number 39, Being an American Muslim. And we're about to enter our Bridging the Divide segment. I'll open the phone lines now, 646-716-9397. Again, that number is 646-716-9397. You can also email us at undividedshow, that's undividedshow at gmail.com. If you'd prefer to email a question or comment for Cordelia or myself, maybe a situation that you've been in relative to religion or your own religious views, and maybe a situation that you'd like to ask Cordelia about. Or you can DM me, as the young people say, direct message me on Twitter, at FMaduri, that's at F-M-A-D-U-R-I, on Twitter. I check it throughout the show. Audible.com is our sponsor. And now we enter the Bridging the Divide segment, Cordelia, um, of our program. I'm going to check for the calls and for emails as we go along. How do we bridge the divide between people who think – this is going to be a hard question for me to read, so bear with me. (laughs) How do we bridge the divide between people who think that all American Muslims are, quote-unquote, terrorists or, quote-unquote, infidels, people who feel that Islam is a religion of violence, and one that is oppressive to women. The divisions between Muslims from different areas of the world addressed in our prior question, and with Americans who progressively believe that freedom of religion is a fundamental right, how do we find harmony within all those very contrasting views? Yeah, that, um, you know, it's not as hard as it sounds like it, it, it would be. Again, you know, the way I started the show, it, it, we, we have to start with um, not projecting our ugliness that we have within ourselves. You know, just take that pause and take a minute and see, check yourself. You know, it's like, why am I thinking this? Why am I feeling this? And, and the second step to that pause is, you know, I always encourage people to shut down their, their sensory, right, by closing the eyes. And if you take a pause and you close your eyes and you really move inward, right, and in, in that moment, self and that other person, how would you want you to speak to you if you were on the other side, you know? And um, if, if you have so much hate in your heart that you can't bring yourself to say something nice or smile, then there's num- there's part three to this, the golden rule, you know, um, just keep your mouth shut. Just don't do anything. So I know 
it sounds so simple, but how hard is that, you know, because these are the things that drive road rage. And I talk about it a lot, you know, because it happens, <laughs> you know, like how many times um, do you, you drive down the road? People are, you know, in a rush and they're upset about simple things and they don't think, you know, they don't take the pause. And, um, you know, that's just on an individual level. I, I am not a politician, so I'm not going to make any propositions for a, a policy level. But just each, if, if each human being takes that time to pause, um, and, and then if you're a parent, a mother or a father, um, just be aware of what's coming out of your mouth. Because uh, I had an interesting conversation with a cab driver when I was in Mississippi, and he was like, you know, hate is learned. You know, I, I grew up in the Deep South, and all the stuff that I grew up hearing in my house, I've had to work really hard my entire adult life to reverse that thinking. So th- this was the white man. So, yeah. Those are all very, very um, insightful points pause and see yourself in the other person. It happened, it came up in a work meeting that I was in uh, last week. Uh, And somebody said to me, he said, you know, Frank, what's the golden rule? You know, and we talk about, you know, treating other people as you would like to be treated. Love one another as I have loved you. And, you know, they knew that I was a religious person. And then this person said, you know, what's, what's the golden rule? We're talking about, you know, different things that were going on around the workplace. And, you know, that's one way you can improve it really quickly. Uh, so thank you for, for sharing that. And, and it is, it is, hate is learned. And it's all about trying to train yourself to reverse that course. How is being an American Muslim different than being a Muslim in Europe, Asia, or another part of the world? So I would say um, from my limited experience, now, as far as Muslims in Europe, I have Muslim friends in Europe, but myself, I haven't been to Europe since I've been Muslim. So when I talk about that, there's a disclaimer on that piece. Um, Being a Muslim in Asia, I can speak to, I've been to Asia twice since becoming Muslim, and um, I've also been in the Middle East. So those parts of the world, it feels very um, normal and natural. But, of course, it, it doesn't feel, you know, awkward. I, I think those parts of the world are a little bit more welcoming. That's what I've experienced. I haven't had any, any issues. And, I mean, I've traveled even alone to that side of the world, and it's, it's actually a lot easier than it is being in America now, but with that said, I have to say that um, the exception of, you know, those experiences I had closer to, you know, 2001 to probably 2007 or 2008, I haven't really had a whole lot of problems as an American Muslim, like in recent years. I mean, here and there, there might be, you know, uh, and strange stares or, you know, like I, I talk about road rage for a reason, 
you know, people will intentionally, like, they'll look over and they'll just cut me off or whatever. And um, and I laugh, you know. My, my thing is all about the pause. I'm like, okay, clearly, you know, their life is shorter than mine. And um, someone actually cut me off and then got into an accident right in front of me. And I was grateful that they cut oh, me wow. off because they could have run into me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, wow. um yeah, I, I would say, you know, um, being an American Muslim, we're, we actually don't have it that bad. We really don't. I mean, for all the stuff that it could happen in the world, like a, a lot of the people that I know in the UK or in France, they're suffering. You know, it, it, that's the whole reason why World Hijab, they started in 2013 because of, I mean, like, women were like getting beat down just like as if they were men for wearing hijab, you know, or wearing niqab. And that is, you know, as far as I know within my circle, that hasn't been as much in the United States. Yeah. Well, as thank you for sharing that as someone that is, um, you know, my love for America is uh, well documented on this show. I've done a, a couple of shows on it on Fourth of July, and um, my love for this country and what it stands for and the ideals that fundamentally we believe in. Uh, the idea of America, uh, America as a concept, America as you know what the what our founders intended it to be. Uh, and again, we we do we have problems. Every country does. We're a democracy. We, we got to work through them. And every uh, group of people is burdened by different learned behavior and stereotypes that I'm hoping and seeking uh, that our dialogue will raise some awareness of. But to hear that you've had it a, a little better than than other people, I feel sad for those in Europe that have been you know treated the way that they have. Uh, but also it gives me some hope and what you're saying is I think we've come a long way uh, since that post 9-11 type of, of thinking and scenario in this country, um, which I'm going to yeah. touch on a little later on in the show myself. Uh, but how do you handle that? How do you handle, I'm sure you said there's road rage or so much anger, you know, people in general today. How do you handle that? The adversity uh, maybe the profiling that takes place, like the interaction with, you know, your son and the and the your kids in the store, uh, what, that takes place during daily interactions with with other Americans. How, how do you how do you handle that? I mean, I I, um, I feel like a broken record and a hippie a little bit <laughs> because I'm going to say the same thing, you know. Um, now that that son that I was talking about is older, right? Now he's like almost a feet tall. Um, it's it's a new thing. You know, I, I'll get a, a sneer every once in a while. But then the little smiling lady that looks like she's going to be all she's all right, they, they, they give a nod to him, you know. But um, not, you know, it, it's still like, you know, you, you see the look and you feel the vibration and um, in Practical Muslim, the same place where I wrote the article about the division within the Muslim community, I, I wrote last week an article about vibration. And, um, you know, just by 
combating that with a higher vibration, the highest vibration that exists on the planet is love and peace, right? I guess it's right up there with gratitude. But if you just, you know, exude love and, you know, of course, you're, you know, our religions, right? Christianity, Judaism, and Islam all are about peace, right? That inner peace. So if you just exude that, mm-hmm. people can't help but be, you know, welcoming and accepting of that. So, yeah. I'm glad that you laid that out there. And I've said that to other people before too, you know, the, the central thing for all three of those major religions is peace. And the peace that comes from knowing the love of our God, you know, that's a a wonderful thing. And that's something that I wish people would talk more about, you know, whether it's the mainstream media, the fear machine, as I like to call it, uh, (laughs) that I've, you know, beat up a lot on this show because it is, it's, it serves to drive wedges between people and, and not unite people at all. Um, make people afraid of, of things they don't know, people they don't know, religions they don't know. And the central component of the message, and if we embrace that, embrace the things that are common versus, you know, what's different, place, Coaching is, you know, we always try and circle back around this time in our program to the role of coaching. It is Life Coach Radio Network. I try and do that on this show. What's the role of coaching in the context of this topic? Uh, So that's the first part of the question. And then how can a life coach help someone who might be struggling with their faith or struggling with uh, being stereotyped as an American Muslim? I think the role of coaching is, um, I think it's actually more helpful than going to the traditional, like, therapist in this case, because, um, you know, life coaches really, um, I had a couple of calls today, actually, about people struggling with their faith. And, you know, our role is to um, give practical guidelines for people to, um, not lose their faith and see that um, this is actually a blessing um, to, you know, it, it's part of the human experience to, to have these kind of situations. Our journey in the few decades that we're blessed with, we have a choice, right? I, I encourage, in my practice, I encourage women to use their emotions as a power source and not a weight. And we have a choice to either play into people's lower vibration or to bring our higher vibration and raise them up. And we have another choice that if those people don't want to come to our vibration, we're not here to, you know, it's all about you. You know, this is where self-nurturing comes in. And that's another thing that I teach in and my um, life coaching is self-nurturing. So it's all about you. You you know, if they want their blood pressure to raise up and drop dead with a heart attack, let that be them. You, on the other hand, can lower your blood pressure 
you know, by closing off your sensories, you know, closing your eyes, smile, and know that you have peace and love in your heart because Allah is protecting you, right? And um, that is uh, that is the way that, I mean, that's, I'm going to just tell you this. I'm going to share one other thing. I became Muslim two months before September 11th. And this practice of self-nurturing and making what I call a happy bubble is what has helped me to, um, to keep my faith, keep on my hijab, and smile when people are, you know, saying just disgusting things to me. And then turn to them and say, you know, I hope you have a better day because clearly someone's really hurt your feelings. You know, and, um, you know, in some cases, those have turned into positive conversations and people started crying and said, you know, I'm sorry, it's not about you. This just happened to me or this happened last week or this happened yesterday. You know what I mean? And it's just going back to coaching people to, to understand that we're spiritual beings having a human experience and we have to nurture um, ourselves and and keep our peace. We do, we do. That's very important. My grandfather, rest his soul, used to tell me a couple of different things. He had a lot of advice for me, but there's some of the things I remember, you know, and I've talked about it on this show before. Is you know, take a deep breath before you respond to somebody. Count to ten, especially if it's somebody that is getting under your skin. You know, take a deep breath. Yeah count to 10, then react, you know, and would always tell me that, you know, the Holy Spirit is with me, you know, in, in what we believe and, and to rely upon that, to trust that and um, to embrace that and to not react to, you know, the circumstances around me that are driven by, you know, people like you were saying that have issues with something else and not necessarily even with you. And, and as, you know, we can all do that. We have the knee-jerk reaction, and we've all certainly done it, you know, where you flip the switch, you know, you've had enough that day or something, and you kind of lose it, and then you think about it later on. He said that interaction could have gone, you know, differently. Um, so, again, it's it's keeping your peace. And as you said, you know, the smile, just disarm, you know, the situation. We do have a a question that got sent in to us um, that I thought kind of was interesting because as you were responding, it, it kind of popped up here for me. Um, and we try and get those questions on uh, what the listener asked, what led you to convert um, uh, to Islam? Um, I guess the short story is I was seeking the proper way to worship God and I was really, really lost at that time. I grew up um, in, an, in an Episcopalian church. And, um, you know, I didn't really feel any connection. Although I always felt very spiritual, I never felt a direct connection to God. And, um, and so I had started studying. I, my, my mom had several versions of the Bible in the house. And, uh, you know, what was striking that they were inconsistent from, you know, translation to translation. And um, 
I just kept having those conversations. I was also going to university at that time, and um, I started meeting lots of Muslims after I made this prayer to God, you know, please show me the correct way to worship you. And they were, you know, telling me about Islam and not, you know, you know, like become Muslim. And I just enjoyed being with them and the way they were always, no matter what, right, they were always in a state of like bliss or peace. And I was like, man, <laughs> how do you do that, you know? And they would just smile all the time. And I was like, wow. I want to be like that. And so eventually, you know, I did get a copy of the Quran and I read it myself. And I just, um, yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't like overnight. It was probably, it took me about 10 to 12 years to finally convert. But yeah. That's the Thank you for sharing that. Thanks for sharing that with the, with the listener. Thank you to the listener for, for the question. And now, uh, Cordelia, we're at the uh, end of the road here. The Common Ground segment's our last segment on the show. And it seeks to find, you know, concrete first steps where we can move forward on the topic. Uh, of course, you know, this evening's topic being a, a pretty charged one in that sense. How do we find common ground between people who have been raised with certain preconceptions about the Islamic faith? Those within the Muslim American community that are divided against themselves and those who seek to understand what it is like to be Muslim in America in order to live in harmony and mutual respect? Well, you know, the I think just being more visible and, um, you know, doing shows like this, um, one thing that I'm doing is I'm going to be in New York in a few weeks at the round table for inner peace and I'll be one of the speakers there. So, um, you know, alongside six other speakers and these are just opportunities for people to see that, like I, like I am saying that Muslims are just other humans having, you know, they have a different self-expression of what they believe in. And for us within the community where we have division, you know, we are stronger together than we are divided. We already have enough policies, right? Institutionalized segregation happening. We'll be a lot stronger against those policies if we come together. And, um, yeah, you know, it's just, again, the common thread that even if you're not of the three faiths, right? If you're even if you're not Jewish, Muslim or Christian, most you know, uh most people who have some form of spirituality believe in peace. Right? So this inner peace round table that I'm gonna be part of, I think I'm the only person with a faith there. I don't think anybody's Christian or Jewish or anything else. They all follow something else. You understand? So um uh, but yes. all human yeah, all human beings seek peace. That you know, and that's bottom line. And they all seek harmony. And um, and I like the word harmony um, for everything because it just means that it, it goes back to the way we're made. We we are vibrating, you know, containers of energy. And in order for us to all um, 
achieve or reach that that common goal, we we have to just be on the same wavelength. We do. It's it's super critical. It's super critical, and and we have to find that peace within the chaos of this world, and we have to be, you know, that light to other people. My wife and I talk about that often. You know, we have to go out and be the light and be the joy that, you know, that you know, we read about in the gospel messages from Jesus that He instilled in us. I, I've talked about it in other shows before. The the lamp on the lampstand, you know, it's not meant to be kept hidden. A lamp is meant to be put on top of a lampstand to be shining for all to see, you know, be that light in the world, be that joy for others, be that peace for other people. So Cordelia, thank you very much for joining us tonight, for being so open to um, share your experiences, uh, to share some insight, you know, for the audience, which I think was very critical uh, on some of the divisions and some of the things that go on even within uh, the Islamic community that I was not aware of. Um, and uh, some of, of what you've experienced over time in your own uh, faith journey. So that's, uh, I know, very personal. So I appreciate you going there with me. And um, I'd like you to kind of mention where people can find you. This is the point of the show where I know you mentioned you have an upcoming event um, in New York City. Uh, maybe the particulars on that, maybe about the body soul shift, whatever you'd like to mention, how people can find you and, and all that sort of, of stuff. Yes. Thank you for that. And yes, absolutely. We can't help each other without, you know, sharing our own journey. The best way to reach me is on my website, which is workout around my day.com. And um, like I said, you know, I, I help women, to have a body soul shift, to use their emotions as a power source and not a weight. And so one of the things, the, the events that will, I have coming up right now, I'm actually part of an online summit, which is about riding the emotional roller coaster. Um, and then the two live events I have coming up, there's one in D.C. and there's this um, round table for inner peace in uh, Brooklyn, New York. That's going to be February 23rd. And, um, yeah, so I, I'm really looking forward to that and um, and just helping people to find, you know, a, a way within themselves, within their heart. And, you know, one of the speakers is going to speak to breathing. You know, we breathe wrong, which causes us, you know, to not have peace. And so th- this will be a really great way for, for people to connect and better understand themselves. Because as you understand yourself, then you relate much better to the world around you. That's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that with the audience. And uh, thank you again for coming on tonight. I, I really appreciate it. It's a real blessing to have you on. And, and I look forward, as we discussed, to doing your show in uh, the summertime. I think we had said I'm really looking forward to that, too. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Absolutely, absolutely. So, some stuff that I have to do here before we go. Upcoming show promotions again. Free the hamster. 
Harry Pritchett, Thursday, February the 7th. That's tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach Radio Network. That's Harry Pritchett, Pre the Hamster, 7 p.m. tomorrow, February the 7th. Replenish Me, Cordelia's show, Wednesday, February 13th, live at 7 p.m. Eastern on Life Coach Radio Network. Erica Wiederlight, Mondays, twice a month, live at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time on the Life Coach chat channel. And finally, Holy Shift, that's like an energy shift or a shift of a car, Holy Shift. Barb Heenan, Leslie Pachati are your hosts. Their new episode comes your way Wednesday, February the 20th. It's a morning show. It's 8 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. here on the East Coast on the Life Coach Radio Network. They're the first and third Wednesday of every month in the morning, and so so am I. So that's a great segue to my next program, February the 20th, live here, February the 20th, live, 7 p.m., the 40th episode of Undivided, the 40th episode special. If you um, are long-time listeners, remember the 20th episode, we did the first 20, as we called it, the 40th episode special. I'll be bringing back uh, many of the guests from episodes 21 until now, and they've all committed to come. So this is uh, going to be a really interesting episode. We're going to have each of them on. If you remember the structure of the 20th episode, uh, if not, I have each one of them on for a few minutes at a time to catch up back with the audience, catch up maybe on their topic and talk to the audience about what they have coming up in their own practice or work or in their own lives. So it's a, a really awesome event. I hope that you can join us. That's February the 20th live, the 40th episode special of Undivided. Audible.com is our sponsor. Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. Salvation Army is www.salvationarmy.org. Food for the Poor, 800-427-9104 or foodforthepoor.org. Samaritan's Purse, that's www.samaritanspurse.org, 828-262-1980. That's 828-262-1980. And finally, MAP International, awesome charity, www.map.org, 800 225 8550. That's MAP International, 800-225-8550. Let's reach out to those who are in need, as we talked about, in both in Islam and in Christianity and Catholicism, taking care of those who are in need. Let's do that tonight. As I mentioned before, you know, Pope Francis was in UAE as I wrap up the show tonight, talking about the fellowship of religions, thanking his Muslim hosts, and he was given by the Crown Prince of the United Arab Emirates the document that was the dedication of the first Roman Catholic Church in the UAE. What a wonderful expression of just harmony between religions, harmony that I think we should all take into consideration ourselves and live together truly undivided. You know, that talk about the revelation, the reverence for people that or of different faiths, to be that peace, to pause and see yourself in the other person, as Cordelia said. How would you want to be treated? The golden rule. You know, treat others as you would like to be treated. Love one another as God loves you. Hate is learned. It's time for us to unlearn that. Share this episode with those who you think would benefit from it, please. And Keep in mind that we're all living together and that we're all given life by God 
and that we all are called to live in harmony and peace. And that's how we will live truly undivided. I thank you all the listeners near and far. I thank Cordelia for her time and for coming on tonight. I'd like to thank everyone who participated in this show either through email or through helping me in promoting the show to different groups that they know. I want to thank our listeners in Canada and Europe and uh, throughout the world that I'm so blessed and honored to have uh, along with me. Send me some feedback on the show, undividedshow at gmail.com. Thank you to audible.com, our sponsor. And thank you to Russ Terry and for Danica Treble and for all my co-hosts at the Life Coach Radio Network. I thank all of you, and I look forward to seeing you all again on February the 20th for the 40th episode special. And until then, as always, be blessed and be well.